You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly. My name is Heather. Thanks for being here with me this week. This week's lesson covers 1st and 2nd Peter, and it's entitled Rejoice with Joy, Unspeakable and Full of Glory. And I am traveling to California with my family this week, but I was able to study this lesson a little bit before I left. So this might be a shorter version of my usually short podcast, but this lesson was great and I'm glad I had a chance to study it and go through it and think about it a little bit before I left. The opening paragraph of the lesson says, Shortly after his resurrection, the Savior made a prophecy that must have been troubling to Peter. He said that when Peter was old, he would be carried whither he wouldest not, signifying by what death he should glorify God. When Peter wrote his epistles, he knew that his prophesied martyrdom was near. Shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Unfortunately, such severe persecution was common for the saints in Roman provinces, to whom Peter was writing. And yet his words were not filled with fear or pessimism. Instead, he taught the saints to greatly rejoice, even though they were in heaviness through manifold temptations. He counseled them to remember that the trial of their faith would lead to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ and to the salvation of their souls. Peter's faith must have been comforting to those early saints, as it is encouraging to saints today, who are also partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, we may be glad also with exceeding joy. And the first section of the lesson says, I can find joy during times of trial and suffering. And it talks about how in these scriptures, Peter uses words like rejoice, happy, glory, and exceeding joy when he's talking about all the hardships that he and the people who were reading these writings were going through. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And in chapter 2, verse 19, it says, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. And then in chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So how is it that we, as people who have the gospel of Jesus Christ, can be happy and have joyful feelings while we're going through hard things? President Nelson said, Saints can be happy under every circumstance when the focus of our lives is on God's plan of salvation and Jesus Christ and his gospel. We can feel joy regardless of what is happening or not happening in our lives. Joy comes from and because of him. He is the source of all joy. So we can feel joy and hope in every circumstance because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And to me, it is such a testimony that this church is true because just look at all the persecution and hard times that followers of Jesus Christ have had throughout history. Why did Paul and Peter and the rest of the apostles keep going after Jesus had left? Why didn't they just say, well, that's over. I'm going back to my life now. It's obvious no one wants to hear what we have to say, so we're done. And I look at the early saints after the church was restored back to the earth. It was legal to kill Mormons in Missouri up until not that long ago. People were driven from their homes, their families were killed, and yet they still kept going. And I want to read you a paragraph out of a family history book that I have from the Wilford Weber family. It says, My maternal grandfather, Alma Hayes, the son of Thomas and Polly Hess Hayes, was born 11 January 1846 at Nauvoo, Hancock, Illinois. 
It was at this time that the saints were being driven out from their homes in the dead of winter by the mobs that were persecuting the Mormons. From the effects of these trials, his father died when he was only one year old. Three years after his death, his mother died, leaving Alma and his older brother Nephi orphans. When Alma was six and Nephi was eight years old, they came across the plains with a group of saints who were sorry for them walking barefoot and bareheaded all the way from the Missouri River to Provo, Utah. So there were these two little boys with no parents, no shoes, no hat, walking all the way from the Missouri River to Provo, Utah. So seriously, think about it. If Jesus Christ was not our Savior, and if there was really nothing to this gospel that we try so hard to live each day, then you tell me how in the world this Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints could have kept going and keeps going today. Those two little boys made it all the way across the country, and generations later, there are still huge groups of their posterity doing their best to live the gospel. Our Savior is our hope and the source of all joy. Everything good that we have is because of Him, and He does give us hope of good things to come. And it is because of Him that I know that whatever hard things I go through, I am not alone and there is a plan for me. And these hard things aren't just random or unlucky. The things in my life happen for a reason. And when I struggle, I can pray and feel peace. And that peace and those feelings are very real. Like the lesson says, we absolutely can find joy even in the most difficult circumstances. The next section of the lesson talks about how the gospel is preached to the dead so that they can be judged justly. It says that one day each person will stand at the judgment bar and give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead, as it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18-20, through 20, it says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. So those scriptures tell me that our Savior suffered for everyone, and that everyone will have the same opportunity to hear the gospel. So what's our role in all of that, and why does that matter to us? Well, we have temples so that we can receive ordinances and make covenants that will help us to make it back to our Heavenly Father. And then after we do our own work, it's our responsibility to go back to those temples as often as we can so that we can do the work for those who didn't get the opportunity while they were on the earth. They need us to do that work for them. Section 138 of the Doctrine and Covenants is a revelation that President Joseph F. Smith received about this very topic. And it's really good, but it's also really long, so you should go read it. But it talks about how our Savior was able to teach some people in the spirit world, and then he appointed many other people to be teachers in the spirit world after he was gone. And I think the point of that revelation is to know that everyone will have the same opportunity. I think that we just have to take advantage of and not waste the opportunity that we've been given to be a part of the gospel on the earth and to do all we can for those who have passed on without those same opportunities. And then the last section of the lesson talks about developing our divine nature through the power of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-11, through 11, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these he might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Robert D. Hill said, The attributes of the Savior are interwoven characteristics added one to another, which develop in us in intricate ways. In other words, we cannot obtain one Christ-like characteristic without also obtaining and influencing others. As one characteristic becomes strong, so do many more. We all have strengths, and sometimes it can get overwhelming to feel like we have to do all the things all the time. But I think that we have to remember that the Lord is not asking us to be perfect now. And that life is a process. It's a pretty long process. All he's asking us to do is to try. If we feel prompted to do something, we just need to do it. And it will lead us to be prompted to do something else. And if we do that, we'll just continue day by day and little by little to keep growing. Doesn't it say that we get things line upon line? And if we keep working towards that every day or even on most days, I think that at the end of our lives, we'll be right where the Lord needs us to be. Elder Bednar said, The gospel is so much more than a routine checklist of discrete tasks to be performed. Rather, it is a magnificent tapestry of truth, fitly framed and woven together, designed to help us become like our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, even partakers of the divine nature. Truly, we are blinded by looking beyond the mark when this overarching spiritual reality is overshadowed by the cares, concerns, and casualness of the world. As we are wise and invite the Holy Spirit to be our guide, I promise He will teach us what is true. He will testify of Christ and light our minds with heaven's view. As we strive to fulfill our eternal destiny and become partakers of the divine nature. Our Heavenly Father and our Savior are rooting for us and all they ask of us is to keep moving forward with faith and to never give up. The gospel of Jesus Christ is true and I am thankful for it every day of my life. And that does it for me this week. I hope all of you in the United States are enjoying your turkey and pie and spending time with your families. Thanks so much for joining me. You can find me on Instagram at Come Follow Me Weekly, or you can email me at cfmweekly at gmail.com.